Blog Talk Radio. You are listening live to Aquatic Wetline Radio Show with your host, the aquatic man himself, Aqua Alex. Aquatic Wetline is a one-stop radio show for everything freshwater, including cichlids, catfish, oddballs, plagos, and much more. Plus, we will be discussing saltwater and reptiles. Aquatic Wetline is your original Fish Keeper podcast that started it all for the Fish Keepers. What is on the aquatic discussion tonight? Let's dive down into the Aquatic Wetline headquarters and find out. Here's your host, Aqua Alex. Take it away, Alex. The Aquatic Wetline is brought to you by Atari Tales USA. School of Fish, Fish Frenzy Tropical Fish, and Blue View Aquatic. Don't forget to head to your local fish store or pet shop to pick up some Hikari products, such as our famous Hikari Bio Pure Frozen Foods, which include delicious treats such as bloodworms, mysis shrimp, brine shrimp, and more. If you live in Western Massachusetts, be sure to stop by School of Fish, Inc., and Fish Frenzy Tropical Fish for the finest quality of freshwater and saltwater livestock, fish tanks, and more. Now, let's get on with the podcast. Remember, you can download today's podcast via iTunes or by simply going to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Alex. Now, Aqua Alex, take it away. Hello, fish keepers, and welcome to the Aquatic Wetline, your one stop for anything and everything aquatics, and the original freshwater fish keeping podcast here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Oscar Alex, and I hope you guys are having a great week. It's Wednesday already. Can you guys believe that? It's Wednesday already. But I've got a fantastic show coming your way tonight on the Aquatic Wetline. This is the show that I should have done when I started the Aquatic Wetline because I've got a very important topic tonight here on the Aquatic Wetline. This is a topic that's going to benefit uh, beginners in the aquarium hobby. It's going to benefit those who have been in the hobby for several years. And it's also going to benefit the experts of the aquarium hobby. Because tonight I'm going to be talking about aquarium equipment and filtrations. Now, it's true that all of us fish keepers have a lot of aquarium equipment and a lot of filtration systems. And tonight I'm going to cover exactly why filtration systems and filtering your aquarium is important. And I'm also going to cover some of the basic aquarium equipment you're going to need. Now, fish keepers' opinions are going to be very different as far as it goes to what equipment you're going to need in your tank. Some fish keepers feel you need a whole variety of aquarium equipment, and some, like myself, feel you just need a filter, a heater, and a hood, and a tank and stand. But we're going to talk about all the equipment you need for your aquarium tonight on the Aquatic Wetline. And I'm very proud to say this is a show that several of my listeners have requested. So hopefully it will be a fun show, and hopefully 
hopefully you guys are going to enjoy it. Now, I'm going to be honest, I think this is going to be a very long show, probably about two hours or so, so hopefully you guys will enjoy this show. And while I am going to have lots of information, hopefully it will not be too boring for you guys. But it is a great show. It's going to be packed with some wonderful information, and you guys are going to learn a whole bunch of things today. There's also going to be some entertainment as we take our commercial breaks. We're going to hear some music and such. So I feel it will be a wonderful show. So today's agenda is... I'm going to have a discussion on aquarium filters. I'll talk about the different kinds of filtration. I'll talk about the different kinds of filters that are available in the aquarium hobby. And I'll also talk about the importance of over-filtering your aquarium. And then I'll talk about equipment needed for your aquariums, such as aquarium heaters. I'll talk about substrate for your aquariums. I'll talk about um, lighting for your aquariums and if lighting is really necessary for freshwater aquariums and everything else. We have a lot of equipment to talk about tonight on the aquatic wetline. So that is our agenda for tonight. Going to be an awesome show. Do you, the fish keepers, want to be involved in today's episode of the Aquatic Wetline? I know tonight's topic could be kind of boring because Oscar Alex is going to be talking for almost two hours long on aquarium equipment and it could be kind of boring. But you, the fish keepers, could make this a fun show by calling in. You can call in live at one three four seven nine eight nine. 8142 with any questions you have. I love getting callers here on the Aquatic Wetline, and I'd be more than honored to answer your questions tonight on the Aquatic Wetline. As I said, I'm going to be talking for about two hours, and I have a lot of information to share, and sometimes it can be kind of boring hearing me talk for two hours straight. So I'm inviting you to call in to the Aquatic Wetline tonight at 1-347-989-8142. Call in and tell me your thoughts on filtration systems. Call in and tell me your thoughts on some of the aquarium equipment you feel that every fish keeper should have. Or ask any questions you've got. 1-347-989-8142. Now, in order to make this a very fun show, I'm going to try something new here on the Aquatic Wetline. Now, as a radio show host, I've tried this with my cooking show, the Chef Cardinale Cooking Show, and I've had mixed results. I've had people call in and answer my questions, and I have people not call in and answer my questions. But I'm going to give it a try right here on the Aquatic Wetline. I'm going to ask you guys three questions and you guys can go ahead and call in to answer them or post your answers on Twitter or in the live chat room. So here are my three questions I'm going to ask you guys. The first question I'm asking is, what is your favorite kind of filtration system? Is it a hang on the back filter, a canister filter, or a sponge filter? What is your favorite brand? Of filter. My second question, what is your favorite brand of aquarium heater? And my third and final question, what is your favorite kind of substrate? 
Do you prefer gravel or do you prefer sand? So go ahead and call in at 1-347-989-8142 to answer those questions or call in to ask questions or share your experiences on aquarium equipment. 1-347-989-8142. We'll be waiting for your call. But in the meantime, let's get started. All right, so live listeners, I hope to hear from you tonight on the Aquatic Wetline. And by the way, our good friends, Mr. Discus Man, William T., could not make it tonight. So uh, William T. says he is sick. So we're going to send our thoughts and prayers to William. Hopefully William is going to feel better. But he's, got, he's not going to make it tonight, so it's just me talking tonight to you guys. But we're still going to have a wonderful show. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and get started. And I'm going to start by answering the three questions that I'm asking you. And don't forget, you guys can call in and answer them, too. I want to hear your answers, but I'm sure you guys want to hear my answers to those three questions as well. So I'm going to share them with you, and then I'll get started on talking about filters and aquarium equipment. So what is my favorite kind of filtration system? Well, I'm actually a big fan of the Hang on the Back Aquarium filters because I feel they are a very good filtration system. I don't have a lot of money, and I feel the Hang on the Back filters provide a lot of good filtration. They're being very, very inexpensive and very affordable. I mean, the Hang on the Back filters aren't going to cost you hundreds of dollars like a canister filter, but they work as good as a canister filter does. I mean, there's not one brand of hang-on-the-back filter that I do not like. I mean, there are some that I wouldn't buy again, but if I had to, I would. But I really do like the hang-on-the-back filters. They're the best filter to have when you have Oscars because you can fit like five or six of them on your aquarium. As far as canister filters go, you have to hook them up to your aquarium and had all kinds of pumps and stuff. I mean, canister filters are great for Oscars and such, but they're just too much work. As with a a hang-on-the-back filter, all you really need to do is go out and buy a filter pad and some... um, stuff to put in your your hang-on-the-back filter, nine times out of ten, it's sold in the the hang-on-the-back filter box, so you only need to buy much, it's going to buy filter pads, and it takes a little while to cycle, but a lot quicker than a uh, canister filter would cycle. That's why I like hang-on-the-back filters, plus they're kind of cool looking in the aquarium. I like seeing those little tubes from the the hang-on-the-back filter in the aquarium, but that's just me. Now, my personal favorite brand of hang-on-the-back filters is the Aquion Quiet Flow. I have a love-hate relationship with them, but I'll just say this. I no more have, I don't have a hate relationship anymore with the Aquion Quiet Flow because I had one bad experience with an Aquion Quiet Flow filter, but they immediately sent me another one, and they sent me an awesome one. So I have a love relationship with the Aquion Quiet Flow filter. A very good filter. I definitely recommend um, to anyone keeping a freshwater aquarium to get an Aquion Quiet Flow filter. Whether you're keeping angelfish, discus, tetras, barbs, guppies, 
Oscars or Monster Fish, an Aquion Quiet Flow filter is going to work for you. It's very quiet when it's working, and it does not make a lot of noise, which is the best thing about an Aquion Quiet Flow. And it also runs when the water level goes down. Let's say, for example, your tank water level goes down to about 15%, your filter is going to work still. Like some other filters are going to start drying out slowly, but the Aquion filters are just going to um, start lowering the amount of water that comes out. Also, with the Aquion um, Quiet Flow filter, the thing I like about them is all you've got to do is plug them in and they instantly turn on. They're not like the old school hanging the back filters where you had to pour water into the filter. All you've got to do is plug in your Aquion hang on the back filter and it starts filtering your aquarium already. So, that is my favorite filter, the Aquion. Quiet flow, and I can't wait to hear what your guys' favorite filter is. All right, my personal favorite brand of aquarium heaters, I have two. The first one is the one that I'm using right now, ST International brand. That's right, I'm using an ST International aquarium heater. I really do like it, it's a very good heater. I recommend anyone use a ST International heater. And my second favorite aquarium heater happens to be a very expensive heater. And I haven't had this heater since 2011, but this heater is an LED heater. And, yes, that's right, they do make LED heaters. They're a very cool heater. I love the LED heaters. And my last question that I'm going to answer that I'm asking you, my favorite substrate. Well, I actually like a bare bottom tank, but I do like substrates as well. I'd have to say my personal favorite substrate is black sand. Even though sand can be a pain in the ass, because nine times out of ten, sand gets caught into my uh, hang in the back filters and clogs it. But sand actually causes your fish to get some wonderful coloration, and uh, it looks your fish look nice. For example, I have Oscars, and the black sand complements my Oscars very nicely. So my personal favorite substrate is black sand, of course. All right. So those are my answers, and I'd love to hear from you. So all you've got to do is dial in one three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two. Well, let's get started by talking about some of the aquarium equipment and filters. We'll start by discussing filters. Filters are the key to life in the aquarium, so they are very important. Your filtration system is the guts of your aquarium and what experts say makes a difference between success and failure. Filters trap solid waste from your tank and convert liquid waste to a relatively harmless form, then return the byproduct to your tank. How you treat and monitor your aquarium water is vital for the health of your tropical fish. Choosing the correct filtration system for your aquarium is an important decision that will impact not only the type and quantity of livestock that you wish to keep, but also the amount of maintenance the system will require. The filtration system is responsible for keeping the water clear and free of particle matter, 
tiny fragments of plant material, leftover food, feces, waste products from the fish, etc., and toxic compounds that are dangerous to the inhabitants. The strengths and weaknesses of the commonly available types of filtration will be discussed on tonight's show so you can make the right decision in choosing the filtration for your aquarium. And I'm going to break down the three major types of filtration systems for you right now. The three categories of filtration. There are three types of filtration that are necessary for the health of any aquarium. The first one is mechanical. The second one is chemical, and the third one is biological. Those are your three categories of filtration. Now, before choosing a filtration system, it is important to understand all three and how they will benefit your aquarium. Mechanical filtration. Mechanical filtration is the process in which particle matter is removed from the water. To accomplish this, the aquarium water is forced through a media material that is designed to catch and hold those tiny particles. This media is available in many forms, including different types of foam, filter floss, pads, micron paper pleats, and diatomaceous earth. To function properly, it is important that this media is cleaned regularly to remove the particle matter it has trapped prior to the material decaying and adding to the waste products in the aquarium. It is a common misconception with many aquarists that by oversizing the mechanical filter, more fish can be kept in the system and the filter will require less maintenance. All Mechanical filters over time will become clogged with particle matter. And for this reason, I personally recommend cleaning your filters every two weeks. When this occurs, it will cause the water flow to either decrease or flow around the material instead of through it. At this point, the hobbyist should recognize the need to clean the filter. By oversizing the mechanical filter, it may be months before the filter loses its efficiency, which means that it will be months before cleanings. Even though the aquarium may look clean and free of particle matter, the filter will be holding large amounts of detritus or debris, tiny pieces of the decomposing plant, or animal material and other debris that is slowly decaying and contaminating the water with toxic breakdown products such as ammonia, nitrites, and ultimately nitrates. These waste products therefore actually reduce the number of aquarium and habitats that can be used safely. Actually, I mean to say Inhabitants, not inhabitants, inhabitants, or a number of fish you can have in your aquarium. Okay, that is the mechanical filtration system. Okay, now I'm going to talk about the biological, the, 
the chemical filtration first, then we'll talk about the biological filtration. I'm dripping ahead of myself right now. So we just talked about the mechanical filtration system. Now we're going to talk about the chemical filtration system. Chemical filtration removes toxic or unwanted chemicals as the water passes through a chemical media or resin. There has been a number of advancements in the past years giving us new products that are targeted at removing specific chemicals or excess nutrients from the water. If used correctly, these medias can be incorporated into the filtration to both improve water quality and reduce the amount of maintenance and water changes needed to sustain a healthy aquarium. However, it is important to carefully monitor the water chemistry and perform water changes as necessary. Biologically filtration system, biological filtration system. Now, in biological filtration, different types of bacteria convert the toxic chemical byproducts produced by the aquarium inhabitants into, into less toxic nutrients. This breakdown process by the bacteria is called the nitrogen cycle. In the nitrogen cycle, the waste products of the fish, plants, and invertebrates, along with any dead organisms or, uneaten, or uneaten food, are broken down by bacteria and fungi into ammonia. Ammonia is extremely toxic to all of the aquarium inhabitants or the aquarium fish and is broken down into nitrates by an oxygen-loving bacteria known as nitrosomonas. Although nitrates are not as toxic as ammonia, even at low concentrations in the aquarium, they can still be harmful to fish and invertebrates. Again, another bacteria called nitrobacter, which also utilizes oxygen, acts in a similar way as nitrosomonas, and essentially changes nitrites into relatively harmless, harmless nitrites. Nitrites at low to moderate levels will not harm most fish or invertebrates, but can be the source of some unsightly allergy problems if not controlled by both the chemical filtration and water changes. For the nitrogen cycle to work properly, there must be an area for significant number of these bacteria to grow, and their need of oxygen must be met. Biological filtration occurs to some degree in all filters and in areas of the aquarium where these bacteria are present, such as the water, substrate, and decorations. The capacity of a biological filter is determined by the available surface area for a bacterial growth and oxygen content of the water passing over them. Not all filters have the same capacity when it comes to biological filtration. Filters in which the biological media is exposed to the air are going to have the greatest capacity for holding biological filtration. And that is your three types of filtration, chemical, mechanical, and biological. 
Right now, we're going to discuss the different kinds of filtration systems. We're going to compare hand-in-the-back filters to canister filters to sponge filters. And hopefully you guys by now understand the differences between chemical filtration, biological filtration, and mechanical filtration because it's very important that you guys understand that. All right. So now let's talk about the types of filters. There are many types of filters currently on the market that range in size, price, and their ability to perform the three essential types of filtration. These filters include internal, under gravel, power, canister, and wet and dry. Now, it is important to know what type of livestock you plan to keep before choosing a filter for your system. Some aquariums, such as a live planted freshwater aquarium, do not require a filter that is efficient biologically, but do require a filter that is efficient in both chemical and mechanically filtration. On the other hand, a unplanted, heavily stocked African or South American cichlid is going a cichlid aquarium is going to require a filter or a combination of filters that is efficient in all three types of filtration. Now I am going to discuss the different filters that are available, their ability to perform the three types of filtration, their price range, and the amount of time needed to maintain them will be explained right here, right now, on the Aquatic Wetline, so you guys know all the information you need to know about filters and what they need and how to take care of them, because the filter is the key to having an aquarium, and filter is what's keeping your fish alive, believe it or not. We'll start by talking about internal filters. Now, internal filters come in many different styles and are simply placed in the aquarium either on the substrate or mounted to one of the sides with suction cups. They include corner box filters and sponge models. Now, your internal filters are your sponge models. Now, for most internal filters, an airline needs to be attached to the inlet of the filter, and it is driven by an air pump located outside the aquarium. Air is pumped into the bottom of the filter, moves through the filter, and is then released through the top of the filter where it dissipates to the surface of the water. The action of the air bubbles creates water movement through the filter, which enables it to perform the filtration. Now, let's talk about corner box filters for a second here. The corner box filter is typically shaped to fit into the corner of the aquarium. It is simply a box with slots in the top and bottom, which allows water to flow through it. Placed on the gravel, the air is pumped into the bottom of the filter from a remote air pump. The air draws the water through the filter from the bottom and leaves the filter at the top. The corner box filter is designed to perform all three types of filtration, but the efficiency of all types are limited due to the lower oxygen content and the lower level of water flow. 
layers of floss for mechanical filtration and activated carbon for chemical filtration are the typical medias used in this type of filter, although it can be customized with any type of mechanical or chemical materials. Bacteria growing on the filter media provide the biological filtration. This filter should be cleaned and changed regularly depending on the aquarium load, and care should be taken not to destroy the beneficial bacteria located in the mechanical filtration media. This can be accomplished by rinsing the media in the aquarium water that is removed during a routine water change rather than in tap water. And did you know that by rinsing your media in tap water, you are killing all of your beneficial bacteria, and you are going to have to cycle your aquarium again. So if you're going to rinse your media, do it when you do a water change. That way you save yourself the trouble of having to having to have to cycle your aquarium again because it really is a big pain in the ass. And believe me when I tell you, I learned that the halfway. Only replacing half of that media at a time will preserve the bacteria needed for the biological filtration, and that is the corner box filter. Now let's talk about the sponge model, the sponge filters. And I've got to tell you, the sponge filters are very popular, especially when people are going to be breeding fish, like angelfish or breeding discus or even breeding live bearers. Sponge filters work for this. Now, the sponge filter features a design in which a U-shaped tube is used to pull water through a sponge-like material that features a very large surface area. A separate air pump is needed to provide the airflow. The sponge material is capable of both mechanical and biological filtration. Mechanical filtration occurs as the sponge traps particle matter dispensed in the water that is passing through it. Biological filtration is provided by the beneficial bacteria living on the sponge. Its mechanical and biological effectiveness is limited due to the lower amount of oxygen and volume of water drawn through the filter. This type of filtration is very inexpensive and is easy to maintain. To remove the organic matter before it begins to, to remove the organic matter before it begins to deteriorate, every week the sponge filter should be rinsed in water removed from the aquarium. Using aquarium water is important when cleaning these filters so you don't risk the killing of the beneficial bacteria that are responsible for biological filtration. Both types of internal filters have limited use, only being efficient in small aquariums with a small number of fish. I would not recommend using this for a big 6-foot, 125-gallon aquarium unless you have hang-on-the-back filters or canister filters present. Typical uses for these filters are in breeding and hospital tanks. Because there are no moving parts in the aquarium, when using this style filter, small, newly hashed, or reared fry cannot be drawn into the filter, which results in lower morality rates. For the hospital tank, the sponge or floss material can be set into the main aquarium for a few days to become colonized with beneficial bacteria prior to be put into use in the hospital tank. 
At that time, the sick fish can be acclimated into the fish the hospital tank for treatment without having to cycle the aquarium, avoiding additional stress on the ill fish. Again, the sponge and corner box filter are very inexpensive and are easy to maintain but have limited applications. Under gravel filters. Now, under gravel filters seem to be very old and not too many fish keepers use them anymore. I mean, uh, my grandfather, when he was in the aquarium hobby, he was using under gravel filters. My dad was using under gravel filters, but I don't see many people using under gravel filters now. I guess uh, all the people from the 60s, 70s, and 80s are using under gravel filters, but my grandpa swears that they are the bomb. He still uses undergarrel filters right now, but I don't because if I use an undergarrel filter, I'll be like, why am I using an undergarrel filter in the 21st century? My fishkeeping friends come over, they're going to call me an old man when I'm 21 years old, so I don't use the undergarrel filters. But all joking aside, they were very good back in the day, but they seem to be outdated. I don't see the fish store selling them anymore in my area at least, and I guess they are good for those who have been in the hobby for a while. Anyways, let's talk about the undergravel filtration systems right now. Now, an undergravel filter employs a slotted plate that is installed underneath the substrate, example gravel, and it has multiple tubes called uplift tubes that extend upward toward the surface of the water. Either an air stone is installed inside the uplift tubes or a power head is placed on top of the tube to draw water through the substrate and up through the tubes. The mechanical filtration is achieved as water flows through the substrate which traps any particle matter. It is very important that a gravel cleaner is used on this type of setup weekly to remove the particle matter before it starts to decay and becomes a part of the biological load. The biological filtration is accomplished by the bacteria living on the larger surface area of the substrate that the water is passing through. The biological filtration, however, is limited due to the lower oxygen content of the water passing through the substrate. Another downfall to the biological filtration with this type of filter is that the water does not flow evenly through the substrate due to different substrate depths and decorations placed on the substrate. This creates dead spots within the filter bed. Now, the trash builds up and the dead spots can cause pockets of dangerous levels of hydrogen sulfide. Again, it is important to regularly agitate and clean the substrate with, when using this type of filtration. Some models of underground filters have carbon cartridges to provide chemical filtrations. Now, aquariums utilizing underground or underground filters tend to run higher nitrate and phosphate levels if not maintained properly. Again, weekly gravel cleanings along with water changes are needed to maintain a healthy system when using these filters. These filters are typically in the low to medium price range depending on whether air stones or power heads are employed. 
and that's provided you can find them in your area. I live in a big city, so my fish stores are up to current era, and everything is basically now technical age. Um, we've got LED heaters and even some LED filters in my fish store now, so I doubt that I'd be able to find another gravel filter in my fish store. But I'm pretty sure they will order them for you if you were looking to do on the gravel filter. All right, now let's talk about power filters. One of my favorite filtration systems. This is my favorite of all time. I love the hang-on-the-back filters. And, yes, a power filter is also known as a hang-on-the-back filter. Now, power filter, a.k.a. HOB filter, is a term used to describe the vast array of filters available on the market that are designed to hang on the back of the aquarium. Most of these filters employ all three types of filtration and are very easy to maintain, hence why I love them. These luminants also include the pump necessary to draw the water into the filter and are completely self-contained. The aquarium water is pulled into the filter using a U-tube and flows through a cartridge or other type of filter media. Most models require filter cartridges, usually containing activated carbon, which are designed for the specific model of filter, a.k.a. filter pads. The mechanical filtration of the power filter is accomplished as the aquarium water passes through a floss or full material and is moderately efficient. A weakness is in the mechanical filtration of most power filters is that the cartridges tend to clog relatively quickly, causing the water to pass over the cartridge, passing over the cartridge instead of passing through it. Excuse me. It is important to remove the media regularly and rinse the debris from the material. The frequency of cleaning and replacing the cartridges is going to depend on the biological load of the system. The chemical filtration is typically integrated into the filter cartridge that usually contains activated carbon. Some models include chambers in which more specialized chemical medias and resins can be added. The efficiency of the chemical filtration is similar to the efficiency of the mechanical filtration, and it is going to depend on the percent of the water passing through the cartridge. Again, the bio, law, the bio load of the system is going to dictate how often the cartridge and media needs to be replaced. In my Oscar aquarium, I keep Oscar cichlids, I have to replace my filter pads every two weeks. So if you keep fish like Oscar, that produce a lot of waste, you want to consider replacing your uh, filter pads every two weeks or um, every four weeks at the most. But if you're keeping community tanks and small fish, I'd say every month you should be replacing your filter pads, but that is just my opinion. I know a lot of other fish keepers have their own opinions, so that is fine. I respect everyone's opinions. All right. Now... We're going to talk about um, the biological filtration. Oh, excuse me. We're going to talk about the chemical filtration from a hang-on-the-back filter first, and then we'll get into the biological filtration. 
Now, the chemical filtration is typically, oh, I just talked about that, didn't I? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm so excited about talking about um, hang on the back filters that I forgot where I, was, where I was talking. Okay, so now we're talking about the biological filtration. Now, biological filtration in the hang on the back filters also occurs within the filter cartridge. The mechanical and chemical sections of the filter harbor large numbers of beneficial bacteria that aid in the nitrogen cycle. The efficiency of the biological filtration within the cartridge is limited due to the moderate amount of oxygen present in the water passing through the media. The downside to these cartridges is that when they need to be replaced, you lose the entire bacterial bed when changing the seasoned cartridge with a new one. Before replacing the old cartridge, it's a good idea to place a new cartridge in a spot either in the aquarium or the filter to allow the beneficial bacteria to grow prior to removing the old one. Many power filters also come with bio wheels. Bio wheels are a biological filter that incorporate a well or a wheel with pleats for surface area that spins as the water passes over it. A bio, a bio wheel provides excellent biological filtration thanks to the amount of air contact the water receives as the wheel spins. These wheels require very little maintenance and they should only be rinsed periodically in water taken from the aquarium to remove any buildup. A good example of this would be the Penguin BioWheel filtration by Marineland. I love those filters and I use them on my Oscar tank. They are a great filter and I really do recommend using a Marineland um, BioWheel filter. That's a perfect example for a filter that uses a BioWheel in a uh, hang on the back filtration system. All right. Now, because of the low to medium price and ease of maintenance, power filters are often the perfect filtration for the beginner hobbyist. And I'm somewhat of a uh, beginner and expert. I love the uh, hang on the back filter. Power filters are not well suited for either freshwater planted or saltwater aquariums. Ideally, the water surface of a freshwater planted aquarium should remain undisturbed so the concentrations of carbon dioxide in the water can be maintained. All of the power filters disrupt the surface of the water, making them a less than ideal choice for a planted aquarium with a carbon dioxide injection system. The downside of using a power filter or hang in the back filter on a saltwater aquarium is again due to the fact that these filters agitate the surface of the water, resulting in a large amount of salt creep both on the hood and the lighting system. They can still be used on a saltwater aquarium, but be prepared for the extra maintenance and potential danger, damage and danger that the encrusting salt will cause. But um, you can actually fix that by uh, cleaning your aquarium, which you should do regularly anyway, so there should not be much of a concern for you. Now, the best brands of hang-on-the-back filters, in my opinion, are Aquion Quiet Flow, Marine Land Emperor um, BioWell Filter, and um, AC, uh, what's that filter called? The very good one, uh, Oh, I forgot the name of it, but there's a very good brand of hang-on-the-back filters out there that is that is for a pond. It's like a metal 
square block square box um I'll have to think of it pretty soon i know I think it's an a c one ten or something like that, but they're very good filter uh but it is kind of expensive, but it's a very good um hang on the back filter but there's a lot of good hang on the back filters out there that you guys should research because they're very awesome and I bet ninety five percent of my listeners out there use hang on the back filters and um I like to hang on the back filters they're very inexpensive and they accomplish half of what the canister filters do. Matter of fact, you really don't need a canister filter if you have hang on the back filters, but canister filters are good for monster fish, but they're too pricey for me. And that is the hang on the back filters. All right, now we're going to talk about canister filters and wet and dry filters. Canister filters are pressurized units that are typically placed beneath the aquarium and perform all three types of filtration. They are available either in a complete unit, which includes its own pump, or in a Molitor form that requires an additional pump. The Molitor units are useful when plumbed in line with other types of filtration, such as a wet-dry filter. The complete units use a U-tube as the water intake and typically a spray bar for the water return. Once the system is installed on the aquarium, a siphon is started allowing the water to flow from the aquarium down to the canister filter. The water entering the filter will first pass through a mechanical media such as floss or pads and then will be forced through the chemical media. After the chemical filtration is complete, the water then enters the last chamber containing the biological media where the nitrogen cycle is completed prior to the water returning to the aquarium. The mechanical filtration of canister filters is far superior to any other type of filter. This is due to the fact that the canister filter is pressurized and the water can be forced through a finer material that can trap smaller particle matter. These materials or cartridges in some cases have a rating that indicates the size of particles that the filter will trap. The rating is measured in microns. The lower the micron value, the smaller the particle of the matter that can be removed by the filter. The chemical filtration of cancer filters is going to be the most efficient compared to other filters available. Again, this is because the water is pressurized and is forced through the media. Another advantage of the canister filters is the flexibility of the types of chemical filtration media that can be added. Activated carbon is the suggested media to use in general maintenance, but there are more specialized media and resins that can be incorporated when needed. These resins have been developed to remove a wide range of chemicals and excess nitrates from the system and can be used in emergency and on a regular basis to reduce the amount of maintenance that the system requires. The biological filtration of cancer filters is limited due to the amount of oxygen present in the water passing through the filter. Because there are pressurized filters, there is no water-to-air contact within the biological media. This means that this aspect of filtration will not be as efficient as other types of filters available. There are many types of medias available that can be used in a canister filter for biological filtration. These medias include engineered glass media, ceramic rings, and porous gravel-like materials. There are uh, canister filters available that include a bio-wheel 
on the return to the aquarium. The bioweal makes up for the limited biological filtration that occurs in cancer itself, since there is excellent water-to-air contact time within the bioweal. Canister filters are in the medium price range and require a moderate level of maintenance. The strength of these filters make them a good choice for any type of setup. The canister filter without the biowill is an ideal filtration for freshwater planted aquariums because you want to increase the amount of carbon dioxide in a freshwater planted aquarium. It requires filtration that employs a low water to air contact time. The fact that these filters are pressurized and the return line can be placed under the water surface in the aquarium. The water surface will not be disturbed, making them the perfect choice for this type of setup. Canister filters, when used in conjunction with an additional biological filter, such as a hang-on-the-back filter, are an excellent choice for saltwater fish and reef aquariums. The advantage that canister filters have in a saltwater aquarium is their ability to be customized. When combined with an efficient biological filter, the canister filter can be used strictly for mechanical or chemical filtration or a combination of both. In any type of setup, it is important that the mechanical filtration section of these filters be changed on a regular basis and cleaned on a regular basis to keep the level of night rights down. The frequency of cleaning will depend on the stocking level of the aquarium, but should never exceed past four weeks. Now, you can use a canister uh, filter in a saltwater aquarium or a freshwater aquarium, but it is mostly recommended for a saltwater aquarium, in my honest opinion. Now, we're going to talk briefly about wet and dry filters because they're specifically made for saltwater aquariums. We'll talk about them. Wet-dry filters, also known as sumps. Wet and dry filters are typically located beneath the aquarium and use an overflow device to regulate the amount of water supplied to the filter. The overflow device incorporates two boxes, one inside and one outside the aquarium, usually in the back. A U-tube is used to move the water via siphon from the box inside the aquarium to the one on the back of the aquarium. The overflow box that is located inside the aquarium can be raised or lowered, which will alter the water level in the aquarium. After flowing into the box on the back of the aquarium, the water flows through a pre-filter material, usually a sponge, which traps any large particle matter prior to entering the main filter housed below the aquarium. As the water drops to the filter, it is agitated, causing the water to mix with air. The aquarium water is then dispersed over the biological media chamber via a drop plate or spray bar. After the water passes through the biological media, it flows through the bottom of the chamber into the other part of the filter, which is often referred to as the sump. In this open area of the filter, a protein skimmer, chemical medias, Denitrator or calcium reactor can be incorporated. The water pump responsible for returning the water into the aquarium is also located in the sump. The water pump is installed using either a bulkhead for inline operation or a submersible pump can be located directly in the sump. The mechanical filtration of the wet dry filter is accomplished by both the pre-filter material and the media that is located between the biological filter and the subsection. Because of the design of wet dry filters, the water flow cannot be restricted, so the sponges are large poured, allowing water to pass through easily. 
This means that the mechanical filtration is limited to removing only the larger particle matter and is not very efficient. The chemical filtration is accomplished by placing a chemical media in the filter, typically in the area before the sump section of the filter. Because the water merely flows through and it is not forced through the media, the chemical filtration of these filters is not very efficient. The biological filtration of wet-dry filters is superior to other filters described as far for several reasons. First, the amount of surface area within the biological media provides space for the beneficial bacteria to colonize in large numbers. Secondly, not only is, this the, is the oxygen content of the water very high, the media is also directly exposed to the air, which allows the bacteria to be ex exposed to higher amounts of oxygen. There are many types of biological medias that can be used in wet-dry filters, ranging from engineered glass and plastic products to the use of live rock in this chamber. Again, when choosing a media for a wet-dry filter, look at the biological load that you plan on placing on the system and compare that to the available surface area of the media. Wet-dry filters are in the high price range and require a low amount of maintenance. Because of their biological filtration capacities, these filters have been tolerated for use in most commercial applications and are ideally for heavily stocked freshwater and saltwater aquariums. Us monster fish keeper lovers that have Oscar tanks and such love wet-dry filtration systems. These filters are, however, not suited for a freshwater planted aquarium due to the amount of water-to-air contact. Again, this contact will allow most of the carbon and oxide needed by the plants to escape into the air. Although they are not very efficiently mechanically or chemically, an inline canister filter can be easily added to the return line, making up for these weaknesses. The maintenance of a wet-dry filter involves weekly rinsing of the pre-filter and the sponge located in the sump. Regular additions of fresh water need to be made to compensate for the water that has evaporated from the system. Because of the design of the overflow boxes, the water level changes in the sump, not the aquarium. It is important to monitor the water level in the sump area and not allow the pump to run dry, which may damage the pump. Well, a lot of information on filters so far. I have one last thing to say about filters. Let me say that having a filter in the aquarium is very important. The advancements that have been made in the filtration technology over the few years have made the hobby of keeping aquatic life easier and has enabled us to maintain organisms that we were never able to in the past. Again, before making a decision as to what type of filter that you're going to install, you need to decide on the number and type of species that you plan to keep and what their requirements are. Taking those needs into consideration, you can look at the strengths and weaknesses along with the cost of filtration that will suit your needs. All right, and that is my discussion on aquarium filters. I hope you guys learn a lot about filters. Man, I could talk a lot for filters. This could, this could have been a whole show just on filters. Man, I did a great job on it. So hopefully you guys learned a lot about filters, and if you have any more questions on aquarium filters, I'd be honored to answer them. 1347-989-8142. Remember, filters are very important for your aquarium, so it was a very important way to start the show. Well, an awesome start to the show. Lots of great information on filters, 
And I hope you, the listeners and beginners, know the information that you guys needed to know about filters now. I've been talking for about 55 minutes straight now. Yes, I said it, 55 minutes straight. And I think we're in need of a commercial break now. Um, So hopefully I didn't bore you for 55 minutes. I'm going to have some entertainment for you guys right now. So coming up next here on the Aquatic Wetline after a commercial break, I'm going to talk about the importance of heaters in the aquarium. I'm going to have a discussion on other aquarium equipment, and I'll answer the question, is lighting really needed in the aquarium? So stick around because coming up next, the importance of heaters in the aquarium, discussion on other aquarium equipment, and is lighting needed in the aquarium? This commercial break is being sponsored by Ikari Seals USA, School of Fish, Inc., who is located here in Indian Orchard, Mass., in Spectral, Mass., and School of Fish, Inc. wants me to remind you that they have the best brands of filters from hang-on-the-back filters to sponge filters to canister filters to aquarium heaters and all of your aquarium equipment. So if you live in Western Mass., check out School of Fish, Inc. for the best brands of aquarium equipment. Fish Geeks, the online Facebook fish group, the International Aquatic Association on YouTube, Jambox, and our fine radio show friends, Aquatics Euphoria, Dakota Aquatics Plus, Epiphany USA, and the Alice Cornelli Talk Show. After this commercial break, we're going to hear a couple of wonderful songs, and I'll explain the music when they come. But right now, let's hear our commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to hear some wonderful music, and we'll be right back here on the Alice Cardinelli Show. Hikari offers a wide selection of aquatic diets to help you and your fishy friend find success. With more than 137 years of aquatic experience, Hikari was the originator of species-specific diets long before others thought it was important or trendy, and the first to bring unique products to fish keepers like algae wafers, the world's first diet specifically formulated for Procosinus, micropellets, the world's first micro-coated aquatic diet for tropical fish, Saki Ikari, the world's first probiotic-enhanced diet for koi, goldfish, cichlid, and now turtles, and Biopure, the world's cleanest and most nutrition-packed frozen and freeze-dried foods, industry trendsetters when they were first introduced. When you're looking for the best aquatic diets your hard-earned money can buy for your aquatic pets, look no further than Ikari. Your fish and your wallet will be forever grateful. School of Fish, Inc. offers everything an aquarium hobbyist in Western Massachusetts needs. We offer the best alive stock from freshwater to saltwater and everything in between. We also have the best corals and live rock. School of Fish, Inc. carries the best brands of fish food, medications, and equipment such as Hikari, Tetra, Marineland, API, and much more. Stop by and check us out today. School of Fish, Inc. located at 1865 Page Boulevard, Springfield, Massachusetts, and we can be reached at 413-543-1994. We're open. Open Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Close Tuesdays. Check out School of Fish, Inc. That's School of Fish, I-N-C, on Facebook for exclusive deals, specials, and see what's new. Fish Geeks is an online Facebook fish group that is dedicated to the aquarium hobby. We have thousands of members who all love this aquarium hobby. All of our members are a fish geek one way or another. If you are serious about this hobby and love fish, 
then come join our group on Facebook You Fish Geek. Type in the search bar on Facebook Fish Geeks and click join. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Do you need advice on planted tanks? Do you need advice on community tanks? Do you need advice on cichlids? Do you need advice on discuss? Do you need advice on salt water tanks? We'll get over to the IAA channel now! We can help you with planted tanks, salt water tanks, community tanks, filtration, DIY, lighting, dosing, CO2, discus, angelfish, German blue rams, African cichlids and any other community fish. Subscribe to the IAA channel today! Thank you IAA! Choosing guitar accessories can be expensive and time consuming, but it doesn't have to be. Jambox will deliver the necessities right to your front door. Jambox is great for players of any age and all experience levels. Try new brands, new products, and get your jam on. Order a Jambox today at www.jamboxcanada.ca. Aquatic Euphoria, a podcast about fish, all things fish and everything fish. Let William T. and his co-hosts dive deep into your tank and come up a great fish species topic for a great show. Check out Aquatic Euphoria today for an enjoyable fish show. William T. and his co-hosts do it all. Salt water, fresh water, and yes, plants and even specials on other interesting topics. Surf over there, right after this wonderful show here on Blog Talk Radio. Dakota Aquatics Plus is the next best aquarium keeping show here on Blog Talk Radio. Your host of this show, Andrew will dive deep into the topics of freshwater and saltwater fish, reptiles, and other pets. Dakota Aquatics Plus is live every Saturday and is a show that you will enjoy. So check Andrew out. blogtalkradio.com forward slash Dakota Aquatics Plus. Did you know that William T. has a new podcast on Blog Talk Radio? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, kids. Teens and in-betweens. Epiphany is a podcast about revelations, sudden awarenesses and innuendos. William T. will discuss topic by topic, week by week or maybe day by day. You never know with William T. This podcast is controversial at best, interesting at least. Come join William T. at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash epiphany USA. Come hear what all the hype is about. William T. slam dunks his attitude with rants, political slurs about governmental blunders, world events and where this world is headed from a revelational point of view. See if this podcast don't grab your fancy. Come on. What are you waiting for? Come sit beside William T. and take part in a podcast that promises to be inviting, action-packed and just plain crazy at times. Come hear some senseless jargon and an attitude from the shrewd dude from South Carolina. The old man of mayhem, William T. Come on be brave and go there right now. Well, 
wait until this show is over first, though. Hey, listeners of the Aquatic Wetline, this here is Alex Cardinelli, and I'm inviting you to be a part of my talk show, The Alex Cardinelli Show. On The Alex Cardinelli Show, we talked about everything from current news, to sports, to current events, to dogs, to politics, to everything you can imagine. So come join us at The Alex Cardinelli Show. We are live Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, we are live Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, and we are live Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern. The Oscar Noise Show airs three days a week, Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday, with Friday being our current news episode, and Tuesday and Sunday will be our fun shows where we'll discuss anything and everything and have a fun guest on the show. So come check out the Alice Cardinelli Show on Blog Talk Radio, blogtalkradio.com forward slash crazy Alex Talks. Come on, come on, you know you want to be a part of this great talk show. So I'll see you at the Alice Cardinelli Show, blogtalkradio.com forward slash crazy Alex Talks. Okay, so one of the songs we're going to hear during this commercial break is one of my favorite songs of all time, and it's called Bringing Sexy Back by Justin Timberlake. So I figured since I've been talking for 55 minutes straight and we've got a two-hour show, I'd bring some entertainment to the show by doing some music during our commercial breaks. So here's our first song for tonight, and it's called Bringing Sexy Back by Justin Timberlake. Go ahead, 
Hey, live listeners of the Aquatic Wetline, did you know you can call in live right now to ask any fish questions or join tonight's fish chat? Just simply dial 1-347-989-8142. You may ask any fish questions you might have or chat with us about tonight's subject. You can also ask our guests any questions you might have as well. So go ahead and call in 1-347-989-8142. Please go to a quiet location and turn off the speaker on your phone. Please wait until we see your call and bring you live. So go ahead and call in 1-347-989-8142. Give us a holla if you hear us. You are now tuned in to the one and only Fish Keeping Podcast on Blog Talk Radio that started it all. With over 100 episodes, the Aquatic Wetline has something for you. What is Alex going to discuss next? Let's get back to the show to find out. Remember... You can call in anytime at 1-347-989-8142. Now, back to Aqua Alex. You are tuned back into the Aquatic Wetline on this fine Wednesday evening. And tonight, Oscar Alex is discussing aquarium equipment. And before commercial break, we discussed the importance of filters and we learned the three types of filtration systems, chemical, biological, and mechanical, and different kinds of filter systems. And now we're going to discuss all of the other equipment you need. Don't forget you can call in live at one three four seven nine eight nine. 8142 to ask any questions or join the chat. Right here, right now, we're going to talk about heaters and some of the other equipment you're going to need. But first, I want to give my last collar plug for tonight's show. Hey, fish keepers, don't forget you can call in live at 1-347-989-8142. I want to hear your opinions on what you think of aquarium filtration systems and aquarium equipment. What kinds of aquarium equipment do you have in your aquarium? What kinds of aquarium equipment do you think every fish keeper should have? Call in and tell us. one 989 This has been a great show thus far. But you know what would make this show even better? If we had a couple of callers. So go ahead and call in at 1-347-989-8142. Don't forget, we got three questions you can call in and answer, or tweet your answers on Twitter, or answer in live chat room. The three questions again are, what is your favorite kind of filtration system? And in the back filters, canister filters, or sponge filters? What is your favorite brand of filters? What is your favorite brand of aquarium heaters? 
in, what is your favorite substrate? Do you prefer gravel or do you prefer sand? One two four seven nine eight nine eight one four two, or tweet your answer to at AlexCardinelli1 on Twitter, capital A and Alex and capital C and Cardinelli, and Cardinelli is spelled C A R D I N A L E, or post your answer in the live chat room. So come on, fish keepers, make this show more great by calling in or interacting live right here in the second half of Aquarium Equipment. Okay, so we're back here live on the Aquatic Wetline, and that was your caller plug-in. So if you're listening live, go ahead and call in. One three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two to answer my three questions today. And if you're listening to the archive version of today's show, you can tweet your uh, your answers to my three questions on my Twitter account at AliceCarnelli1, or write it in the comment section below today's show. All right, let's get back into this our topic today. If I can any callers, I'll answer those callers if they come in. So this is an awesome show thus far. I had fun talking about filters. But now we're going to discuss some of the other aquarium equipment you're going to need for your aquarium. We will now discuss, or I will now discuss, um, heaters. Heaters are very important for tropical fish, so they're very important for your aquarium. Now, controlling the temperature of your aquarium is vital to the health of your fish and plants. In addition to filtering your water, proper nutrition, and pH balance, the water temperature has a direct impact on both the health of your aquarium and habitats, or your aquarium fish, and your enjoyment of it. Heating an aquarium is accomplished by using aquarium heaters that are specifically designed for that purpose. Aquarium heaters raise the water temperature to a desired level and then prevents it from falling below that temperature. A thermometer is required to get an accurate reading, even though the heater has degrees indicated. Each of the different tropical fish species has a temperature range they prefer the most fall between 75 degrees Fahrenheit to 80 degrees Fahrenheit. It is more important to keep the tank the same temperature day and night rather than which actual degree is chosen. A variance of only 1 to 3 degrees is enough to cause serious health problems for fish. Normally, 3 to 5 watts per gallon is sufficient when choosing a heater. In high flow rates, why I mean in high flow rates, wet dry filters or an environment that gets below fifty five degrees Fahrenheit, five to eight watts per gallon is suggested. Remember to include the gallons in the sump when using wet dry filters. Many of the newer heaters like the Hydro CO heater or Tetra Submersible heater are very dependable, completely submersible, and allow you to place the heater in a variety of locations or depths in the tank. Important note, aquarium heaters must be unplugged during water changes. If the heater is exposed to air, then back to water while it is on, it can crack or explode and become very dangerous to you or your fish. 
One other thinking note about aquarium uh, heaters, you definitely don't want to turn your aquarium heater past 85 degrees Fahrenheit because then it can boil your fish and kill your fish slowly, okay? Um, so definitely do not turn your heater past 85 degrees Fahrenheit. It'll kill your fish slowly, and especially um, it'll make your fish get more hungry, more aggressive, and it'll just make them not look right or feel right. So please, for their fish's sake, don't go past 85 degrees Fahrenheit. All right, now we're going to talk about an air pump. I think everyone recognizes the fact that heaters are required for a tropical fish tank. The only fish that does not require a heater is goldfish. And controversially, bettas don't require a heater as well, but bettas do require a filter. Anyways, I'm done talking about heaters because everyone knows about heaters. It should be common sense about heaters, and I gave, enough, I gave enough information on heaters. I will now discuss whether or not an air pump is really required for an aquarium. What is an air pump? Okay, this one's really simple. An air pump is a device used to move air, possibly under pressure. Typical aquarium air pumps move air by using an electromagnet to rapidly vibrate a rubber diagram. Unfortunately, this has the side effect as creating noise as well as moving air. Do I need an air pump for my fish tank? Why would you want an air pump for your aquarium? Well, there are many uses of an air pump. Some action ornaments are moved by air passing through them, turning valves, spinning wheels, lifting things, or whatever. Some people like to have air stolen within a tank with just bubble or give off a fine mist of air. Some filters, such as corner filters and undergrowth filters, are or can be driven by air and would require an air pump. Some of these can also be driven by water pumps. Some underwater habitats for such semi-aquatic animals, such as newts, crabs, mudskippers, and some frogs or shrimp, also require an air pump to keep fresh air circulating in the enclosure so that these animals do not crawl out into an unaerated environment. Air pumps can also be used to create a current in the water to prevent parts of the tank from becoming stagnant. And some species of fish really do need um, currents. Air pumps are required for some types of protein skimmers to operate in marine tanks. Are air pumps necessary for an aquarium? That depends on what you mean. If you have a filter that is run by an air pump, then the air pump is necessary, as without it, the filter will not operate, and you're not going to be gaining benefits from having that filter on your tank. If you have an action ornament that is run by an air pump and you wish to have it operating as designed, then again, the air pump is necessary. If you wish to have an air stone giving off a cascade of bubbles as a decoration in your aquarium, then again, the air pump to run this air stone is arguably necessary. One of the most common misconceptions in the aquarium hobby, possibly second only to fish will not outgrow their aquarium, is that you need an air pump and air stones to provide sufficient oxygenization to the tank to keep the fish healthy, and the air pump provides oxygen to the water. 
In fact, the air pump is not N-O-T necessary to keeping fish, except as I mentioned above. An air pump will not directly put oxygen in the water. What it will do is two things. Increase surface area, improve circulation, and it will create gas exchange where the water dissolves oxygen and other gases from the air and releases excess carbon dioxide and other gases to the air occurs over any and all surface area where the water has contact with air. By increasing the surface area of the water, each bubble gives the water further opportunity to release carbon dioxide and take up oxygen. However, this improvement from an air pump is shadowed by the improvement in circulation that the air pump can affect. The improved circulation will remove highly oxygenated water from the surface lower in the tank, allowing water with more carbon dioxide and less oxygen to the surface of the tank where it can release its carbon dioxide and take up oxygen. Of course, if you have a great filter that is providing sufficient water circulation, the benefit you will receive from an air pump is minimal. Choosing the right air pump. There is no hard and fast rule for choosing an air pump. Some air pumps are rated for different sizes of tanks, but these ratings are actually nearly irrelevant to choosing the correct air pump. If you're using the air pump only to operate an underground filter and your tank is a standard size, then the tank size ratings on an air pump are probably relevant. However, if you are doing anything else with the air pump or your tank is not a standard size, then the tank size rates for air pump are highly irrelevant. Here are some guidelines to have in mind when you are choosing an air pump for your aquarium. The more things you are running from your air pump, the larger the air pump you're going to need. And conversely, the fewer things you are running from your air pump, the smaller air pump you will need. If your tank is more than 18 to 20 inches tall, you will need a special deep water air pump designed to push air that is further below the water surface. The more resistance the things you are pushing air through have to the air, the larger an air pump you will need. Larger air stones will provide more resistance than smaller air stones, and any air stone will provide more resistance than no air stone. Also, some kinds of air stones will provide even more resistance than others of the same size. When choosing an air pump, pick on a little larger than you initially think you will need. This larger air pump will help you by compensating for underestimating when choosing the air pump or providing a little room for expansion if you decide you want that later. And that is uh, air pumps, a little more information that you probably needed, but I figured I'd tell you guys about air pumps. And now we're going to talk about aquarium lighting. And is lighting really necessary in the aquarium? We all know that it's really necessary in a saltwater aquarium, but is lighting really necessary in a freshwater aquarium? We're going to discuss that right here, right now, on the aquatic wetline. So let's talk about lighting here and now. Okay? Now, getting the proper lights and or excuse me, getting the proper amounts and types of lighting in your fish tank is vital to the health of your fish and plants. Even though your fish are in an aquarium inside your home, they still need to experience light as they would in nature, so you would want to be sure to provide around 12 hours of light a day. 
Consider using a timer so that you can constantly light the tank. Inconsistent lighting may stress your fish, which can lead to health problems. Although most aquarium setups come with hoods that have lights fitted right into them, you can also purchase different types of fish tank lightings to suit your needs. Most beginning aquarists need only to use the lighting that's provided with the aquarium as long as it's fluorescence lighting and your tank is for freshwater fish only. If you want your fish to be their happiest, you should use fluorescent lighting. This lighting resembles natural light more closely than incandescent, and it also shows off the colors of your fish better. Incandescent lighting also has the drawback of throwing off a lot of heat, which can cause the water in your aquarium to become too hot, which can harm your fish. If your current setup has an incandescent light, you should be able to easily change the bulb out and replace it with a fluorescent. For a fish-only tank, it is recommended that you have 3 watts of lighting for each gallon of water the tank holds. This ratio can be important when it comes to allergy control, and if you notice green allergy taking over your tank, it can be because your lights are too strong. You should plan to replace your lights every eight months as the lighting will get weaker over time. If you are planning on keeping plants in your fish tank, then the lighting requirements are a bit different. If you have tried to keep plants in your fish tank only to have them grow weak and die after a few weeks, it is simply because you do not have the right type of light. Contrary to what many people think, aquarium plants are not hard to keep alive and should last as long as house plants with the proper lighting. If you want to keep anything other than a basic fern plant, you need a tri-phosphor tube or full-spectrum fluorescent bulb, which will provide the full spectrum of light that plants require. Aquarium lighting for tanks with plants is different for them for all fish tanks. Aquarium plants can last as long as house plants if cared for properly. While you may be able to keep some fern-like plants with regular fluorescent aquarium lighting, most plants require a full-spectrum fluorescent bulb or triphosphor tubes, which concentrate on the red, blue, and green spectrum ranges. If you have a saltwater tank and you plan to keep only fish in the aquarium, then the fluorescent lighting you would use in a freshwater tank is probably significant. So if you're having a fish-only tank, you can use a regular uh, fish tank light. But if you want to keep live coral rocks, you'll need more light. Many people start out thinking that they only want to keep fish, but eventually want to expand their horizons and add live rock. And in this case, it is wise to get a hood that has fishers for two tubes. That way you can, get, you can add more lighting as your aquariums grow. Also, some corals can survive with four watts of light per gallon. Most will need five to eight watts uh, to remain healthy and alive. Keeping a fish tank can be fun and relaxing hobby, and with the proper lighting, you can help keep your fish healthy and help and happy and feeling right at home in their tank. Now, my take on lighting is this. Lighting is very nice for your fish, but if you leave it on too long, it could stress your fish out. You definitely don't want to stress your fish out. Now, most people ask me, because if you see on my YouTube channels, most of my 75-gallons and my old 125-gallon did not have a light. And I feel that for freshwater fish, most of your freshwater fish do not require a light because in the wild, there is no light in the wild. There is just natural sunlight. 
And if you put your aquarium near a natural sunlight position, you have light. And that is why my tanks did not have an aquarium light um, prior to the YouTube error. But now that I'm doing YouTube videos and I have a radio show, now I am going to be getting a light for my aquariums. So I will plug my YouTube channel because I just got 100 subscribers, and I'm very proud of that. My YouTube channel is called Aquatic Wetline on YouTube, 100-plus subscribers, plus I have 100-plus videos. So go check out my YouTube channel on YouTube called Aquatic Wetline. All right, one final, uh, one final equipment we got to talk about tonight, and that is substrate. I will start discussing substrate information, and then we'll talk about the types of substrate. So let's learn about the factors you should consider when choosing a substrate for your freshwater aquarium. The material you, you use to line the bottom of your fish tank is called substrate. The substrate you choose can have a significant impact on the aesthetic look of your tank as well as the health of your live fish and live plants. There are four important aspects of the substrate you should take into account when selecting which is right for you. Particle size, color, reactivity with the water, and its effects on your fish. Now I'm going to discuss the uh, I'm going to discuss the benefits and drawbacks of the most common types of substrate in regard to their aspects so you can choose the right one for your tank. We'll start with particle size. Substrates vary widely in terms of particle size, everything from sands consisting of very tiny particles to larger river rocks. Large particle substrates allow more uneaten food and waste to penetrate into it, leading to toxic buildups if not cleaned. Small particle substrates can compact, which may lead to areas that lack oxygen. These areas can eventually release hydrogen sulfide, a substance that is extremely toxic to fish. The size of particles also has a big impact on the health of the fish and the ease of cleaning. For instance, some fish like to scoop the substrate in their mouth and move it around like a geophagus. It is not a good idea to mix these species with sand because the small particles can irritate them. But with geophagus, they are a sand, uh, sand sifter, so it's fine with them. Sand can also be somewhat difficult to clean as the sand particles often get vacuumed out of the tank along with the waste. On the other hand, some fish enjoy making nests or homes out of the substrate, and in these instances, large particle sizes would not be conductive to this habitat or as habit, excuse me. As you can see, it's important to research the specific needs of your fish when considering the appropriate particle size. Color. We all know that a variety of color exists with substrate. A lot of gravels and sands are colored. But uh, I feel they're not natural colors, and they don't belong in the aquarium hobby, so I'm not going to talk about that. Now, some substrate was going to have reactivity with water. Some species of fish require certain water parameters. For instance, many African cichlids prefer a higher pH. One way to raise the pH in your aquarium is to use a substrate that buffers the water. For example, crushed coral. This is why you see so many African cichlid tanks that use crushed coral as their substrate. Peat moss, on the other hand, has the exact opposite effect. It lowers the pH. This is good for fish species such as angelfish and discus, that require a lower pH level in the tank. 
Finally, impact on fish. It is important to consider how the substrate you choose will impact your fish. Not only can it react with the water as discussed, abo- as discussed above, but it can also harm your fish. If, for instance, you choose glass chips with sharp edges as your substrate. Also, very lightly colored substrate can sometimes spook your fish, especially when it's combined with white lighting. This may cause them to hide and dull their color. Overall, you should read about the natural habitat and behavior of your fish. Then you can find a good balance between what is pleasing to your, your eye and what is pleasing to your fish. Now let's talk about the different kinds of substrate. Specific substrate choices. Now that we have discussed how to pick your substrate in general, we will look at some of the most common substrates. One of my personal favorites, no substrate at all, also known as beer bottom. While this may not be the most beautiful choice, it does serve a purpose. Many breeding cakes, hospital tanks, and tanks used to raise fry use a bare bottom aquarium or a bare bottom fish tank. It makes it easy to catch fish, it's easy to tear down, and it is very easy to clean and do water changes. However, an obvious concern is that there is nothing to hide, to waste, and uneaten food. It also can be stressful to fish that are used to digging. In some cases, fish become spooked by their own reflection, so it's wise not to use a bare bottom tank unless you have a specific reason for doing so. Gravel is a type of substrate. Gravel is by far the most common substrate used in the aquarium, and it is the most conductive for cultivating a natural appearance in your tank. Gravel comes in a multitude of colors and is often favored by young children for this very reason. The next uh, substrate you have is sand. Sand is a very beautiful substrate. There are many types of sand that can be used, everything from play, play sand to black, Tallahan moon sand. The light sand, the lightly colored sand really sparkles in an aquarium, and sand in general gives a very smooth look to your aquarium. Fish with delicate barbels, such as Corridor's catfish, also prefer sand over gravel. And uh, sand really does replicate the Amazon River or river in your aquarium. If you're looking for a do a river-themed aquarium, I'd go with sand. You do need to be careful with your filter choice if you choose sand. If you just serve the bottom too much and fling sand over your tank, particles of sand can become trapped in the filter. The next substrate, so, uh, the next substrate, substrate choice is crushed coral for African cichlids. It will give uh, a saltwater feel to a freshwater aquarium, and it raises the pH for African cichlids. So those are your basic types of substrate, bare bottom gravel, sand, and crushed coral. But what if I have plants? Well, this is a topic unto itself because the topic and the type of substrate you choose for planted tank is affected by many factors. You have to consider whether the substrate can be penetrated by plant roots and whether it will provide enough support for the plants themselves. Substrate in a planted tank also needs to provide nutrients for live plants so they can grow and thrive. For a general idea of a planted tank substrate options, refer to this list. Eco-complete contains all the mineral nutrients plants require to thrive and grow, natural-looking and long-lasting. Fluorite, clay-based substrate with high iron content, not recommended for plants with delicate delicate roots. Lotrite, clay-based substrate that can absorb and store nitrates, may cloud tank water, though. Aqua soil, 
made of round grains to allow for circulation, act as a passive filter, many options available. Sand looks natural and expensive, can be combined with other substrates and layers, and potting soil, inexpensive and natural, may compact and lead to circulation pumps. All right. Conclusion, the beauty of captivating a freshwater tank is that you have so many options for customization. Not only do you get to choose the size and shape of your tank, but you also get to pick what goes into it. This includes everything from your fish and decoration to the type of substrate you use to line the tank bottom. It is important to thoroughly research the needs of your fish so you can choose a substrate that matches your requirements, but still looks pleasant to you. All right. And that is going to do it for us tonight. A very long show, but I talked about all the aquarium equipment you're going to need. So, a great show. Hopefully you guys know what filters to use, what heaters to use, and air pump to use, and um, lighting, and uh, substrate. Very good show. All right, we're going to go ahead and take our final commercial break of the night. And we're going to hear three more songs during this final commercial break. And when we come back, I'm going to have some radio show announcements that I'm going to share with you. So let's take our final commercial break. When we come back, I'm going to make those announcements. Now you can call in right now at 1-347-989-8142 to answer my questions. Or if you have any questions, you can ask your own questions. Go ahead and call in. One three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two. We're gonna go ahead and take our final commercial break now, and I'll introduce you guys to the songs when it's time to hear the music. We're back with more after this. Aquatic Wetline is now on iTunes. You can download any of our archived episodes on iTunes. You can listen to any of our past episodes on your ride to work or your long ride on vacation. Simply go to the podcast section of iTunes and search for Aquatic Wetline to find us. Enjoy. The Aquatic Wetline is now available to be listened to on Stitcher Radio. You can now listen to the Aquatic Wetline on your smartphone or tablet. Simply go to Stitcher.com and click the search bar Aquatic Wetline Radio and you can download any of our episodes right on your smartphone. Now fix people with a smartphone or tablet and enjoy any of our awesome podcasts. Do you own a local fish store in your area? Do you own an online aquarium shop? Well, contact Aquatic Wetline at Outlook.com and get yourself a radio commercial advertising your business. The Aquatic Wetline is heard by over 200 people for each episode, so get your name out there. Please contact Aquatic Wetline at Outlook.com so we can advertise your business. We advertise fish stores, aquarium shops, YouTube channels, and anything in the freshwater and saltwater fish keeping hobby. So, if you're interested in advertising your business, please contact us, Aquatic Wetline at Outlook.com, and we will prepare you with an awesome commercial for this show. 
Would you like your topical fish question answered live on our Fish Keepers United Question and Answer? Then send all of your tropical fish questions to aquaticwetline at outlook.com. You can ask any freshwater or saltwater questions you have. We look forward to answering your questions. So submit them to aquaticwetline at outlook.com. No question is too dumb. We'll answer them all. So send them in right now. Would you like to be a guest on the Fish Keepers United series? This series has become very successful after our first four episodes. I love interviewing fish keepers. So, if you're a fish keeper and you're interested in asking Aqua Alex questions, and you're interested in Aqua Alex asking you questions, please contact Aqua Alex so you can be booked on the Fish Keepers United series. Contact Aqua Alex at AquaticWetline at Outlook.com That's AquaticWetline at Outlook.com Or you can message him on his personal Facebook account Aqua Alex Cardinelli on Facebook. We look forward to seeing you on Fish Keepers United. Are you ready for the aquatic wetline to make history? But I just gotta know one thing. Are you ready? No! I said, are you ready? Well then, join us on Saturday, March 21st, 2015, at 8 p.m. Eastern, as the Aquatic Wetline will be celebrating its 150th episode. We're going to celebrate our 150th episode with some prizes in each hour. We're going to have a two-hour extravaganza with prizes for all you, the listeners. Hikari is sponsoring the first half of the show, and I'm sponsoring the second half of the show. There is prizes for everyone, so make sure you call in to win yourself a prize on Saturday, March 21st, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. Also, on our 150th episode, we're going to have a blast from the past, and I'm going to make a very special announcement that's going to shake Blog Talk Radio to its foundation. So join us live for our 150th episode on Saturday, March 21st, for prizes, special announcement, and a very special guest. Live March 21st is our 150th episode, so be there. Be there as the Aquatic Wetline makes it big time. Live Saturday, March 21st, 8 p.m. Eastern for our 150th episode. Okay, so our next song we're going to hear tonight is called Call Me Maybe. It's a song that I liked when I was in high school. This is actually a song that was very popular when I was a senior in high school a couple of years ago. So here is a song called Call Me Maybe. I threw a 
All right, and the last song we're going to hear tonight is a song that uh, is played decades ago when I was a young kid, and it's by a, 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 a singer that I really did enjoy as a kid. She's uh, not really a singer anymore. She's not really popular anymore, but this is a song called Baby One More Time by Britney Spears, and then when we come back, we're going to wrap up this wonderful show.
This has been a fantastic episode of the Aquatic Wetline, and I really did enjoy today's show. And I think it was one of my best episodes of the Aquatic Wetline. So I'm very proud of today's show, and hopefully all you, my listeners, have enjoyed the show and did not find it boring. And I'm pretty sure you've had a lot of great information, so I'm pretty sure all of you listeners learned a thing or two on today's show. Now, before I go, I've got a couple of announcements I'd like to make. Now, the first announcement is that today's episode is number 139, which means that we are 11 episodes away from our historic 150th episode. And I'm going to have prizes for our 150th episode, but I'll have more news on our 150th episode coming up on our next episode of The Aquatic Wetline. My next announcement is that I've got tomorrow and Friday off, so there's going to be no shows on The Aquatic Wetline tomorrow or Friday. So I want you guys to have a good rest of your week, but I'm going to be back on the weekend. I have two shows coming up on Saturday and Sunday for the Aquatic Wetline. This Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern, I welcome my final guest before our 150th episode, and this Sunday I welcome the famous man on Blog Talk Radio, Mr. Beasley Brown, to the Fish Keepers United Series. He's going to be our seventh guest on the Fish Keepers United Series. So that's going to be something special. So join us this Saturday live at 8 p.m. Eastern as we welcome Mr. Beasley Brown to the Aquatic Wetline. And Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, or excuse me, Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern, I'm going to be talking about one of my personal favorite catfish of all time, and I'll be talking about sun catfish, which is going to be uh, fantastic, and I definitely like sun cats. So... If you're interested in learning about suncastfish, please check out our show this Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern. So Saturday we've got the Fish Keepers United with Mr. Beasley Brown, and Sunday we've got an awesome lecture on suncastfish as spoken by Oscar Alex. So that's going to be very, very, very special. All right, so I'm looking forward to that. And next Wednesday, I believe my Wednesday co-host, Mr. Man William T., should be back. He was sick today, so he couldn't make it. But, hey, I put together an A-plus show without him, so I can do well without William. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, William will be back next Wednesday. And next Wednesday, uh, himself and I are going to be talking about fish food. So we're going to go along the lines of uh, talking about things for your fish tank. But next Wednesday, William and I are going to talk about the importance of feeding your fish and fish food. And we'll talk about the kinds of fish food you should use. And we'll talk about homemade fish food. I hear William's got a homemade beef heart recipe he's going to share with you guys next Wednesday here on the Aquatic Wetline. So make sure you uh, check out check, Tune in for that. And if William can't make it next Wednesday, we'll have another co-host, or I'll kick ass again next Wednesday do it myself. But next Wednesday, I'm believing that William will be here on the Aquatic Wetline with us. And my final announcement is a couple of YouTube plugs that I would like to give here on the Aquatic Wetline. And I'd also like to give a couple of Facebook group plugs as well. So first, I'd like to give a plug to my best friend in the whole entire world, all the way from Oregon, my good friend, uh, Slash Master 1989, Jeff. 
I want you guys to go and check out his channel. He recently hit 100 subscribers. So please do me a favor and log on to YouTube and subscribe to my friend Jeff's channel, Flashmaster1989, on YouTube. He's going to have a wonderful video he's going to put up tonight that you guys are going to enjoy. I'm definitely going to go enjoy it as well. So I want you guys to check out his channel, Flashmaster1989, for the video tonight, plus all his other great videos. He's got some great Oscar videos and some great content. So please check out Flashmaster1989 on YouTube. The next person I'm going to give a plug for on YouTube is this wonderful lady from the United Kingdom called Psychedelic Babe. Very nice woman. I just met her on YouTube. She's got a wonderful channel with some great content. So check out the Psychedelic Babe on YouTube. And then, of course, we've got Hannah Pro Discus for all you discus lovers. We've got Dakota Discus for all you uh, discus lovers as well. And finally, for those of you who love swearing and who love adult stuff, we've got the Angry Fish Man on YouTube. So definitely go out there and uh, check him out. And finally, check out my YouTube videos and my YouTube channel, um, Aquatic Wetline on YouTube. And the Facebook plug I'll give is for Oscar Cichlid Keepers. Please go and check out Oscar Cichlid Keepers and join that if you are into Oscars. And also, a brand new Facebook group I want you guys to check out if you're from New England. If any fish tanks on Facebook, they're a brand new group and they're looking for some new members. So check them out because they've got a great variety of members. And the last group I want to give uh, a plug to is my good friend Mass Aquariums. Um, he's, he's also got a great YouTube channel as well, so check out Mass Aquariums on YouTube. But he's also got a great Facebook group called Mass Aquariums, and I want you guys to check that out on Facebook as well. All right, well, that's going to do it for us tonight on the Aquatic Wetline. And I want to thank you all for being here on the Aquatic Wetline. If you have any further questions, please contact me on Facebook or Twitter. And uh, message me at aquaticwetlineoutlook.com, and I'd be very honored to uh, answer your questions. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Aquatic Wetline tonight. hope you guys enjoyed it. If you have any questions, hit me up. If not, have a great rest of your night, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Aquatic Wetline tonight. Whether it's live or via archive, I appreciate your listen. I'm Oscar Alex. Thank you so much for listening. And tell your friends about today's episode. Share it on your Twitter account, your Facebook account, your Google Plus account, and tell your YouTube friends about today's show because it really was great. Copy and paste today's URL onto your social media accounts. Anyways, I'm Aqua Alex, a.k.a. Oscar Alex, and I'm saying goodnight, everyone, from all of us at the Aquatic Wet Line. Take on and happy fish keeping. Thank you for listening to Aquatic Wet Line, your one-stop podcast for everything aquarium. Aqua Alex wants to thank you for listening. Return next time for a fun-filled episode. Please check us out on iTunes. Leave a good review if you enjoyed it. And like our fan page on Facebook called Aquatic Wetline Podcast. And join our fan group called Aquatic Wetline Radio Fan Group on Facebook. Until next time, goodbye fish keepers. Hang on.